The blast from our past network. Welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. Today we are going to be reaching back to the days of 90s alternative to talk about the self-titled album Collective Soul. Now, this is a band that I think oft gets forgotten. A lot of people, when they do think of them, actually think of a song that was not on this particular album, but was on their very first album. However, I'm pretty sure this album blew the fuck up. Yeah, it uh, it does. It was definitely the band's best-selling album going triple platinum, which is mm-hmm. uh, very impressive. It spent 76 weeks on the Billboard 200 charts, so that's pretty fucking big. Yeah. The band is from Stockbridge, Georgia, which is in the southern part of Georgia. And is Stockbridge where uh, Georgia Southern is? No, no, no. It's uh, Stockbridge is just south of Atlanta. Is it? Yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking of. What am I thinking of? Yeah, Stockbridge is right by McDonough. Uh, it's not far outside of Atlanta, but it's a little bit. Okay. So just on Where's Georgia Southern? Uh, Georgia Southern. Maybe Statesboro? I don't know. Statesboro. Yeah. That's what I get. Like, I, for some reason, I you know what? Even when I lived there, I got those two cities okay. confused. Okay, Statesboro. So okay, uh, yeah. All right. So this album was released on March fourteenth, nineteen ninety five. Adam, what do you remember about this album? I mean, I remember, I remember the radio play because it had uh, multiple singles that had some good radio play. Um, I remember you owning this album. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely had it. So it got some play uh, in the house. Um, and I do, re- I don't remember, I watched some of the music videos. I don't really remember them all that much, but the hits are absolutely pretty big hits that um, stick with me in kind of like my 90s alternate rock mindset for sure. So, I mean, I've, I've heard the album. I didn't own the album myself, but I definitely got a good dose of it just from being your brother. Um, I, yeah, this was definitely an album I fell in love with. This album came out uh, around the time I started learning how to play guitar. Um, I, I think I'd gotten my first guitar just a year or two before this. And so learning the songs on this album actually became a big part of my sort of self-training because I more or less taught myself how to play guitar. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really have any formal training per se. So, you know, learning songs was, was a big part of how I learned how to play different instruments, and this album was definitely a big one. In fact, I still have a Collective Soul guitar book somewhere in my house, actually, because I remember seeing it just last year, that I bought when I was a teenager to learn some of these songs. Mm, okay. So I still have it. Very cool. I should have found it before this, but I forgot. Uh, it was recorded in Miami, Florida, which... Uh, yeah, more or less makes sense, put out on Atlantic Records and was produced by uh, Ed Roland, who was the lead singer of the band, and a guy named Matt Serletic, who uh, produced albums by people like Matchbox 20, Blessed Union of Souls, Edwin McCain, uh, Rob Thomas's solo stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely not unfamiliar to the sort of 90s folk alternative, rock alternative boom that happened in the in the mid 90s yep 
Uh, all right. The personnel or the main band is they're actually a five piece band. Um, and I remember when they got popular, people kind of made a big deal because they were like, oh, they have three guitars. Well, sort of. They have two guitars, and then Ed Roland, the lead singer, sometimes plays guitar. Okay. Uh, but as I mentioned, Ed Roland is the lead vocalist and was actually brought in not only because he was a, a vocalist, but he was already a producer at that time. Oh, okay. So he cool. co-produced this album, so that was part of the reason why he joined the band. Uh, Ross Childress is, plays lead guitar. Dean Roland, I'm assuming is a brother. Uh, yes, he is Ed's brother. Plays rhythm guitar. Will Turpin played bass, and Shane Evans played drums. And there was a good slew of other people who came in for background vocals and strings and stuff like that. Not really anyone I need to mention. Uh, I will mention this guy though, uh, Luis Enrique who played percussion, and I'll mention that because I have to say, I didn't notice it until this time, but Collective Soul made a pretty good use of other percussion other than drum, other than just a drum set. Mm-hmm. You can definitely hear a lot of sort of what we call ethnic percussion, congas, shakers, all kinds of stuff on various songs. Um, so this album, uh, I did say it spent 77, 72, Six weeks on the Billboard 200, but it peaked at number 23, which is pretty respectable. And uh, you kind of already mentioned that they're, uh, they had an album come out, which was actually much more of a promotional demo album. It was called Hints, Allegations, and Things Left Unsaid, which had their, um, their first hit, which actually might be their still biggest hit, uh, which was Shine, if you, you kind yeah. of alluded to it. so I don't uh, know if I, I – I wouldn't say it's necessarily their – biggest hit as far as like volume of sales or anything like that i think it's the one that stood the test of time longer and the one that more people are more likely to remember yeah i would agree with that um and then so this album they kind of at least like some of the collective soul fans will call it the blue album uh, because it's mostly all just kind of blue to differentiate it from the second self-titled album that collective soul put out in 2009 so they they decided to do another self self-titled album um and that's that's slightly different kind of a weird thing to do i'm not gonna lie i guess that is weird what do they call the new one i i I don't know i think collective soul 2009 or something else well that's just boring yeah (laughs) uh all right well i'm ready to get into this if you are yeah i'm good to go baby let's talk some collective soul All right, and we open up with a song simply titled Simple. Adam, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the only song on the album that I actually actively skip. Oh, really? Now, I do not like the song. I never have. I do not like the opener. That funky kind of strange opener doesn't seem to fit. 
But once it actually got into the song, um, I thought it was okay. Now, I'm not going to say it was good. It was a ridiculously simple song. Uh, <laughs> even the way, just the whole construction of the song felt basic to me. But I didn't have any issues with it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I have never liked that song. Um, I always skipped it as a kid. I thought it was the worst song to open <laughs> the album with. I just I just have never liked it. Okay. I mean, you know, looking at it, it's uh, some of the lyrics uh, being let love lead, let love flow. It's simple. Like really the motto of this song is, you know, love before all. Um, so, hey, that's a nice little motto to live by. But, um, yeah, the song was, was, was fine. I can see why you skipped it, but especially with like it took too long to get into like the good part of the song or the decent okay part of the song to where that the beginning I was just like oh wow this this is gonna be a strange start and I was like okay now it sounds like Collective Soul. Uh, all right, well I'm ready. To, let's just go on to the next one. <laughs> Moving quick. Sorry, I do not have anything positive really to say about that. Uh, the second one is simply titled Untitled. You know what? I think when I was when I was a teenager, there was a time when I would have told you that this probably was my favorite song of theirs. I could see that. I mean, it's a damn good one. The one thing that I think Collective Soul does really well is catchy guitar riffs. Guitar's mm. good. There's also a damn good guitar solo in this song too. Yeah, they have a few uh, guitar solos in this album. Yeah. Were, were really good and and I'm I'm always happy to hear it because <laughs> doesn't happen. Guitar solo is definitely a dying art and I know we're going back to the 90s but still hearing a guitar solo in anything anymore makes me smile because it's it's just a lost art that uh, wish I wish would come back. Mm-hmm. At least into the mainstream. I I shouldn't say they don't exist anymore because they obviously do. But just very rarely in anything that that's mainstream. Yeah. So one part that I always found to be weird is he tries to shove the word sentence in, but he turns it into two really weird syllables okay. into sentence. Sentence. He puts emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's funny. If you will. And that, even when I was a kid, I noticed that. And I'm like, that is just weird. Yeah. Especially once I learned what the word actually was, which is just, and it was no more sentence. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that. Is it? Are we talking like a like a jail sentence or yeah. something or I don't know. whatever? But it's it's the placement of the word in the vocals that always made me weird. Other than that, uh, the other thing that Collective Soul does really well, I think, is a catchy chorus. Yeah, the chorus in this one I particularly enjoyed. Um, one thing that Simple didn't have was kind of like a variation in the song. It just felt like the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again. And so I'm not gonna lie, at the first hearing, it, I was like, oh God. Is everything going to be like that? And then this one, no, they did. They varied it up. They actually kind of went a little bit slower, a little bit more melodic, partly for the chorus, and then back to mm-hmm. like some of the harder stuff around that. And I was like, okay, that's good. To see that kind of flow within the song was really nice. And I agree, the chorus in this one is particularly good. So yeah, this song was was really strong. Yeah, 
No. I, I really enjoy it. Now, I have a question for you. Yeah. Was it mandatory by the executives at all music labels for ev- for at least every 90s like alt band to have a song called an Untitled? Because I feel like every <laughs> fucking band had to have a song called Untitled. Like, Better Than Ezra did it. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You know, I was just saying, say, you know what? You're not wrong. Yeah. You're like, not wrong. It's like I, if, the, if they had that. And they, unfortunately, there's no secret track on this one. But if there was a secret track, that would have been like, boom, another one of the most 90s albums ever. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wish I had a, I wish I had an answer for you. Yeah, just, it just felt strange because, like, yeah. that was such an alt-rock thing to do. I agree. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one, which I, I remember being a pretty big song, and that is The World I Know. What I remember about this song is that when I first got the album and I really listened to it, at the time, I think they only had one kind of big radio hit, uh, which is one that we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm. And this became like one of my kind of, as we've talked about before, inside of yourself songs. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the ones I, I did. And then they released it as a single. And God damn it, if I didn't hear this song... <laughs> everywhere it was popular and then it, and then yeah and then i was like well it's not really in inside of myself song anymore because like it's just it's everywhere you know when you're a kid you know it's, it's you think it's just yours and nobody else can have it so uh but i remember loving this song i remember really learning how to play this one on guitar they use some sort of funky uh tuning on the acoustic guitar in this one um and i not it wasn't overly it wasn't like really funky not like Goo Goo Dolls funky, uh-huh. but it was it was a little unusual. So I remember it was fun to detune my guitar and learn how to play Dude, this one. It's funny you mentioned Goo Goo Dolls because I feel that the beginning of this song sounds exactly like the beginning of Iris. Uh, there's there's some influence there one way or the other. Yeah. There's got to be. There's got to be for sure. I don't know. Maybe they this band came across each other at some point or whatever. Um, yeah, there's definitely some of that uh, that influence there. But another great song with another great chorus. Yeah, it is. Um, this song, I kind of forgot how much I liked it. It kind of got buried. And as you, as you said earlier, this is a band that a lot of people forget. and Or they kind of have just kind of gone a little bit to the wayside of people's mindset. But you're listening to this one. It's like, damn, this is good. You know, and you really kind of listen to it. There's aspects of depression and suicide in the song. Um mm-hmm. And that's heavily confirmed with the music video, which I did watch. It was very 
full tilt, like tinted blue color. There was a yeah. kind of a businessman who was depressed in the city. He went up to like the top of a building. He was kind of going to jump. And then eventually a pigeon lands on him and he kind of realizes he doesn't want to do this. And he feeds the pigeon and his light, like the world kind of goes back into a more normal color scheme. And he's kind of like rejuvenated, if you will, into mm-hmm. not wanting to kill himself. Um, a lot of 90 songs seem to be about Suicide as well, and <laughs> that kind of stuff. I remember suicide being a big thing. Yeah, back so, then, and it's still a big I mean, it's thing. Still and, a big yeah, thing, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, but the song itself, you get—I can see it's never been the inside me songs, but I can see it doing that for you before yeah. before it got overplayed because it is one that you just kind of look in, look into yourself, and it's got some deep meaning to it. You can tell, um, and it's and it's there's a prettiness to it, but it's also still got some rock to it as well so it's it's strong just overall a very strong addition to this album and overall um i think one that most people need to re you know re-listen to it actually hit number one on the mainstream rock chart and number 19 on the hot 100 so very popular yeah pretty that's pretty respectable yep uh all right let's go to the next one which is called smashing young man Again, you're getting two things here that I've already said they're good at. One is catchy guitar riffs. Yeah. And then a nice sort of full uh, alternative rock chorus mm-hmm. that is catchy. They're Man, they are really good at this. They are. That's why it hit. this one hit number eight on the mainstream rock chart. Um, that's mm-hmm. all it really uh, hit into, but that's still, you know, another single that was a pretty decent hit for him. Um, I, did you see the thing now that, that about the song and what it might be about? Uh, no. What I did see was is that there was a long time that people assumed that it was written by Billy Corgan because apparently Corgan accused them of plagiarizing the music. So, yeah. So, that, well, it was written about, yes, written about Billy Corgan is what it's allegedly. Now, oh, Col- okay. Collective Soul denied this. Um, so it may not be true, but uh, basically what the al- ale- uh, the allegation is that the song is about Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Young Man, if you will. Um, <laughs> that he So he went on a rant about Collective Soul's song Shine was a ripoff of the Smashing Pumpkins song Drown. Um, but Collective Soul was able to apparently prove it bullshit because they provided a demo tape with that song uh, made years before Drown was ever released. Uh, released. So... Um, and you look at the lyrics and honestly, it does seem like it's about them. It's kind of, it's, it, it feels like it is a dig on, uh-huh. uh, Billy, or kind of like a, you know, not really saying too much bad, but just kind of like, hey, yeah, fuck you a little bit, a little fuck you to Billy Corgan. And I kind of believe it. So even yeah. though Collective Soul denied it, I kind of want to believe that as a thing. Yeah. I'm kind of here for it. 
Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm kind of I kind of like that. Yeah. Now, and looking at the actual lyrics, yeah, I can totally see that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like beef between. Like, no. I just want everyone to get along. But it's, it's kind of fun. It's it's, it's, it's gonna say it's kind of funny. We're we're twenty five years past it. Like, there's no way nobody gives a shit about any of that anymore. Um, but yeah. Like, you know, yeah, looking at the lyrics, like, there's parts where it's just like, I didn't ask you for your opinion. I didn't ask you for all this stuff or things like that right. that are in there. I'm just like, ooh, they're definitely definitely seeming to jab about somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say this, though. Uh, when when there is kind of, like, beef between musicians, sometimes you get some good songs out of it. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the, it's not entirely how we got Sweet Home Alabama, but that's part of the inspiration <laughs> yeah. for Sweet Home Alabama was, was a jab at Neil Young. For sure. All right, let's move on to the next one, which could possibly be the biggest one off of this album. I think it's the biggest one. I I don't know if maybe uh, The World I Know did better, but it was definitely going to be on the back of the success of this song, which was December. Why drink the water from my hand? Contagious as you think I am. Just took my son to watch your domain. You can't run up the world again. So I definitely remember this one being a huge radio hit for them. Yep. And was one of the songs, actually. It was probably the song that made me want to learn Collective Soul stuff. It was definitely the song that made me get the album, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and I remember I played the song all the time. Yeah. Probably one. to the point of annoyance. <laughs> it is a good song. It's catchy. dun 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 Again, catchy guitar riff. Uh, It hit number one on the mainstream rock chart. It hit number 20 on the Hot 100. So it was just one under on the Hot 100 from The World I Know. But it did hit on more other charts. So it might might technically be their biggest hit from the album. Um, And I might have to say this might be my favorite from the album. It's damn good. That's fair. It is so good. There's layers to this song. This is where them having multiple musicians... Um, and I've noticed this too. I, I meant to say this on Smashing Young Man. They do a very good job of layering their guitars um, because you know they have two to three guitar players playing the same riff. They'll they'll kind of pan left and right and do that sort of thing. Um, they layered really well. Here we're getting all that that extra percussion. You get some really cool congas in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that right. works. That works really well with this song. It's just so well put together. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, I read that uh, um, Ed, fuck's his last name, Ed Roland, Roland. that Ed Roland kind of in an interview mentioned that we were going through a tough time with our with our first manager and just felt uh, like at the time a lot of stuff happened really quickly. You've got to remember we had a hit song before we even had a label or a true band. So that relationship 
So that relationship started to deteriorate, and now we were in the studio, and it came pretty natural. I just wanted to talk about how I felt about being used, and whatever I did was not good enough ever. And so that angst is what kind of turned, and that anger and whatnot, and the stress kind of turned into this song. Um, and this, you're right, it is just good. I, I kind of didn't think about like the other percussion instruments used in it, but it works really well. It's such a catchy song, um, and it's another one that I can guarantee people don't remember was either as popular as it is, or they don't kind of associate it to collect a soul. But the second you hear it, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, that song. Fuck. Yeah. yeah that's a good song. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I'm so glad we went over this album. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to our number six song and it's called where the river flows. First off, I love the really dirty, distorted, mm-hmm. almost like overly compressed guitar that we're getting this. We get some unique sort of, there's this weird, like almost feedback sound that, that happens mm-hmm. a little bit in this one, um, yet it's open. There's a lot of space. They didn't layer in a whole bunch of guitars with a whole bunch of stuff, um, and again, that damn catchy riff. Yeah. I definitely enjoy this one. It This song really kind of epitomizes that 90s alt rock, you know, middle age, mm-hmm. you know, the, around this time. Simplistic but catchy. Um, it hit number one on the mainstream rock chart. It also, uh, definitely remember hearing this one on the radio pretty often. Uh, not a top favorite song for me. Partly, I think... Maybe just because it's not as, um, maybe not as, uh, there's not as much variety with the song itself, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's still good. It's still very listenable, and I do. I like that that little heavier distortion that they have on it. It's just It feels a little harder, uh, and so it's not one that I would listen to as much, but when, I, when you get into it, you really get into it. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great departure from December mm-hmm. and getting us into the next song. Yeah. So I I do I like it as a sort of an intermediary song. It's the the sort of the filler there, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of the next song, let's go ahead and talk about it. It's called Gel. Yeah. 
I remember really falling in love with this song. Um, it's kind of a shorter song. I mean, I mean, it's three minutes. That's not, you know, that's not overly short. But you get this cool little riff. I think it's kind of reminiscent of Shine a little bit. Mm, okay. Um, but uh, the actual riff, which is pretty rocking, dun 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 is actually kind of difficult to play. Okay. You have to play it as a power chord, and you're sliding up and down the guitar really hard, really fast. Um, so I actually remember having trouble learning that one. I was like, oh, that sounds easy. Well, the beginning is easy to play, but the actual like main riff is actually pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. So my hat's off to them on that one. This is another fun one I love singing along with. Yeah. Especially when you get to the uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. in the chorus. Yeah, it's fun. It, 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 it has a weird, like almost intermission-y style at the beginning. Like, it felt uh-huh. it felt like it was like, well, this doesn't feel like it's part of the song. And I actually had to look at, at the length of the song thinking that this was going to be just like an, an, inter- an intermission, um, uh-huh. another very 90s thing. If they would have included that too, that would have been like, okay, perfect <laughs> 90s. Um, but they just kind of had it flow into this part. Um, but, yeah, the song is solid. Um, I definitely wouldn't put it at my absolute top, but definitely in the middle decent section of, like, the enjoying the album. Uh, hit number two on the Main Street Rock chart and number 49 on the Hot 100. Uh, this is the last of the songs from the album that will be, or that was a single. Uh, mm-hmm. So kind of with all the lyrics, it's kind of talking about people kind of coming together, gelling together, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I couldn't tell if it was about a large group of like, you know, just humanity in general, or maybe just like a girl and and him or something, you know, maybe like her a love interest, them gelling together. Wasn't sure which, but... Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. It's everything. Maybe it's meant to be left open so that you can interpret it however you want. Yeah, and that is what good art should be doing. Exactly. I I agree. All right, let's go to the next song, which is called She Gathers Rain. She doesn't care what the prophets say an okay song yeah okay i i don't remember this one at all but it's decent you know it, it fits fine it fits well with their style um and i i'm enjoying it enough I, you know it's definitely not oh i gotta skip this one but it's also not one that i'm like digging into hard yeah uh, you know it, it's definitely one that i definitely remembered it when i got when mm. i got you know when i got to it but I was like, yeah, this was definitely one that I listened to, but it was just because at the time it was a CD and I could have skipped, but I, you know, you just, you just listened to the whole album. That was just what you did at the time. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's okay. I wish I had more in-depth thing to talk about it with the song, but yeah, there's not much to say. I looked at the lyrics and it definitely seems to be kind of about a woman being washed away of her religion or, or maybe the church. Uh, maybe being better for it. At least that's kind of what I read into it because there are definitely some religious aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just kind of like the rain mentality, it seemed like she was kind of 
finding out that she didn't want to be a part of that. That's what I got. So, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is called When the Water Falls. she's questioning very much gives me like a toad the wet sprocket vibes it's a totally kind of different style chills out it's a very pleasant song though yes yeah Yeah, i can go with that i found myself really liking this one um as opposed to some of the harder stuff and even kind of uh, she gathers rain was kind of slowing things down a bit this one takes it even more and it kind of gets more into that chill storytelling uh where some of the other songs were a little bit more rock and in in emphasizing of the need of the guitar this one i kind of feel like i'm kind of going a little bit on a story journey it definitely feels more singer songwriter yeah type and i liked that i mean i like that you're getting some of those different styles in this one it's not like every song sounds the same by really by any means and so i always appreciate that in an album and so i found that like okay this came at the right time uh for me that was like okay i i'm digging when the water falls i'm digging it a lot so yeah um i ended up really enjoying it it's uh i got like it being about the innocence of youth particularly they're kind of singing about like a young girl and so maybe just overall her all innocence and just innocence of children maybe um but i liked it man this was good yeah i mean i can't really add too much more to that conversation i it's one i've always enjoyed um i would put it at maybe like upper middle yeah yeah i dig exactly i would do the same thing upper like just for me just past like some of the bigger singles that i really liked yeah yeah all right well let's go on to the next song which is called collection of goods another okay song for me yeah this is uh exactly what i put i said um the song itself is okay it's not bad i'm not disliking it but i'm not digging i'm not digging their choice of like the the vocal distortion i didn't like that really at all that's okay that didn't bother me so much um yeah as far as the kind of the writing it was seemed fairly middle of the road i did like the uh sort of quick she wants more dun, 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 bah, bah. that one that part i liked because it was definitely a departure from everything else that was going on vocally in the song okay so i enjoyed that part but overall it's a it's another 
good filler song that I can get through to listen. Um, you know, most of these songs average about th- anywhere from three and a half to four minutes, mm-hmm. and they're fine yeah. that way. You know, they're not too long. They're not overly short. So, yeah, it's a good filler. It's it's. It, I agree. Decent filler. I would probably end up ranking this one as one of my least favorites on the album. Okay. But at the same time, I'm surprisingly not hating anything on this album. Yeah. And I don't want to say surprisingly, I, but I just mean like you. some of these bands like have at least one that I'm just like, Ugh, no, but none <laughs> of these I'm getting that at all. So, yeah, I'm kind of su- uh, su- actually I was going to say I am kind of surprised like you were that you're digging on this. Yeah. I was listening to it. I was like, mm, I wonder if uh, if uh, if Adam's really going to dig on some of these, you know, yeah. deeper cut songs. And and a lot of these I'm not remembering other than the, the singles, but like yeah. maybe just from you playing it. They subconsciously embedded in there, and they're like, you know what? Oh, you're gonna pull out that nostalgia, and you're not even gonna really know about it. And so maybe that's it. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like I like me some '90s alternative rock, and so um, yeah. But the thing that is making me happiest is seeing the the variations and the diversity in some of the song writing and song mm-hmm. type. Um, to yeah. where I was just, yeah, I was literally, we've brought it up, you know, we keep, I keep mentioning it up in this one, but like when we talked to the Helmet album, the entire <laughs> album just felt like one song. This one. Well, to me, it felt like two songs. Two, yeah, it right. Felt yeah, like, right. <laughs> it felt like unsung and then everything else. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Exactly. <laughs> and this one, I'm getting enough of that variation to keep my interest. Yeah. I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, all right. Let's go on to the next one. Our second to last song called bleed I like the change in tone here. I, I like the sort of synth bass-ish sound that we've got, which I think is just the bass with some effects put on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the openness of it. You get just the drums and the bass lick while he's kind of doing his verses, and then the car, guitars come in. Um, another one, another sort of high middle-of-the-road song for me on this one. I put another decent one. Um Potentially, it might be about like a uh, suicidal woman looking at the lyrics. That's kind of what I kind of gathered a little mm-hmm. bit from it. Uh, another one that had a guitar solo. And overall, yeah. I quite liked that. Uh, Ross Childress, the Childress. I think it's Childress, mm-hmm. the lead guitarist. Dude's putting down some pretty good guitar solos on this album, I got to say. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, with this this song, maybe not this song in particular, but overall, you know, one of the things that I'm liking about this album it does throw me back to uh, some of the, the songs. You know, when we talked the clerks, um, the clerks movie, and like, and just how much uh, the soundtrack was a part of Clerks. Like, this sound mm-hmm. is very much that same sound, and yeah. I like that sound. I like that movie, and I like all that kind of stuff. So, the Collective Soul, the Soul Asylum, the Girls Against Boys, whatever, like all of those yeah. that that type of band. 
it's enjoyable and yeah they're they're putting down some good stuff and i love yeah i love that they're adding real guitar solos because that's and maybe that is something that I just feel like, God damn, I'm really missing in today's music. Uh, even though, you know what? Do I listen to much of today's music? Not really. I end up listening to a lot of the music I liked, you know, when I was younger. Um, but even when I do hear more recent rock stuff, or I guess it's more pop stuff, there's there's no guitar, period. Or like definitely, definitely no guitar solos. Uh, all right. Well, we've already made it to the end. And we have one more song. It's called Reunion. Change has been what change will be. Time will tell than time will ease. Now my curtain has My heart can go where my heart does belong. Oh, I'm going. So this is one that I think when I was a kid, I didn't really appreciate it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Felt like a you know probably when I was a teenager I was like oh this is a slow song there's not much to it I'm probably just gonna skip this I'm gonna go back to the, I'm gonna go back and listen to you know Gel again or some other mm-hmm. rocking song but as a quote unquote grown up <laughs> um, but a more mature musician I feel like than I was I really did kind of enjoy the song for what it was I'm not sure I like it as the end song but I think. I'm more forgiving of how an album ends than I am of how it starts, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, I enjoyed that we get a lot of different tones with this one. Yeah. We're getting more percussion sounds. We're getting some organ. We're getting the kind of, you know, almost church vibes. We got some really good backup singers going here. Yeah, and they're definitely using organ uh, sound in yep. this one as well. Um, I actually got some kind of like a acoustic kind of Southern rock guitar style yeah. with it. Like, you know, it, it definitely has a different sound than the other ones, but I, and maybe it's because, yeah, again, I'm older as well. I probably would have disliked this one or just skipped it when I was younger, but now I'm really enjoying this song. Yeah. He, I got very heavy Eddie Vedder tone vibes okay. from him at the beginning. I can see that. The further into the song we get, the more like Ed Roland he sounded, but at the very beginning I'm like, he sounds a little like Eddie Vedder here. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which I was fine with. I was fine with. I'm not sure yeah. if he was trying to do that or if it was just the nature of the way of the song, how it was mm-hmm. written. Yeah. Um, if it just kind of came out like that. Um, yeah, it's a cool, chill song to listen to. It is. It, it's It's winding down like that's where like these last like four songs definitely kind of winded us down to this one uh i felt as opposed mm-hmm. to like much more a little bit more rocking earlier on um and i, I i'm enjoying that um and i yeah I, I again i'm not sure if i needed this song to be the last one but right. i'm not sure how i would rearrange it but it's still decent um i did see there were some kind of you said what church vibes with this one definitely church vibes with the uh, yeah, organ with- and 
and with the singers the, as well. Yeah, and some of the the lyrics they talk about mentioning water into wine at one point. Yeah. Um, but I did see uh, that uh, Ed Rowland's father was a Southern Baptist minister, and so that probably influenced, I'm sure, because there's other religious aspects um, in yeah. other some of the other other lyrics. So that's definitely a big part. And this one kind of felt like, okay, wow, this felt a little bit more Southern to me, and it kind of some of their Stockbridge roots, if you will. No. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, it's definitely one where I don't know if I ever would have gone to seek it out, but once it played, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, definitely. All right, Adam, final thoughts on Collective Soul. So I rather enjoyed I visit. I'm going to say visiting. Can't quite say revisiting because I don't mm-hmm. remember the whole album like you do. Um, so yeah, uh, but. I wouldn't consider a single song on this album bad. There wasn't a bad one on the bunch. Um, unlike the Bad Batch, because those boys are bad. I don't know if anybody's watching <laughs> that. I am. I love that shit. I, All right. Actually, we are watching that. Nice. Oh, that's kind of a surprise, because you're, you're not a Clone Wars guy. No, I'm not. Um, but we, for some reason, my son was really into wanting to see it. Okay. Um, and so we started watching it, and now we're at the point where actually my wife and I are more excited to see it than he is. <laughs> that's, cool. that's funny. But yeah, so everything on this album was listenable. There was enough variation, as I already brought up, to between the songs um, that didn't make me tired by the end of it. And I seriously thought there was going to be. So yeah, um, I'm not sure I'm going to actively seek out this album to listen again anytime soon. But... I'm not going to not seek it out, if that makes sense. Like, if I (laughs) stumble across it, I could see myself getting the urge to be like, you know what? I want to check this one out one more time. You know, in like maybe, you know, a couple years time and be like, yeah, let me revisit that one now that I know the album a little bit better because Mm -hmm. of uh, this podcast. So I found myself surprisingly, you know, just very pleasantly surprised. How about that? Okay. This album was a big part of my childhood. Uh, I listened to it a lot. I drew a lot of inspiration in learning how to play guitar. Um, I remember going down to the basement and putting on headphones with this album and playing the drum parts as well. So this is another one that is very kind of personal to me. Um, Unlike Adam, I still don't like that first song. (laughs) (laughs) Simple. But the rest of it I just find to be very, very pleasant which just sounds underwhelming for a rock album but it, it is it's it's a it's fun to listen to the songs are good there's some really good stuff happening vocally um, guitar wise you know tone wise and I think if you're only familiar with the hits and maybe if if all you really remember was shine maybe go back and give this one a listen because I think it's definitely well worth it all right, and that was our review of the self-titled, we'll say, blue album, Collective Soul. Please join us next time as we kick off James Cameron Week at the BFOP Network. Go to bfopnetwork.com for more details. We'll be breaking down the 1989 film The Abyss, discussing the 2000s show Dark Angel, and recasting The Abyss using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. 
To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.